Now hear the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Matthew. Of David, he's not even a descendant of Jacob. 
He's a client king of Rome, designated by the Roman Senate as king of the Jews. He's a brutal and paranoid ruler who even executed his own sons when he thought they were a threat to his rule. We read later that he executes all of the boys under two years old in Bethlehem in an attempt to destroy the Christ. The Christ, a few miles away, a child, a descendant of David, foretold by prophets and announced by angels, is declared by God to be king. And then we hear that even the heavens announce the birth of this child as a star leads the Magi to Jerusalem and they declare before Herod, we have seen the star of the one who is born king of the Jews. Indeed, when Herod heard this, he was troubled. And when Herod was troubled, all Jerusalem was troubled with him. See, for Matthew, the clash between kingdoms is not the clash we see in Luke, the clash between the kingdom of God and the kingdoms of Rome. In Matthew, the clash between kingdoms is the clash between those who are faithful to God and the idolatry of Israel. It's a continuation of the same story we've heard in the history and the prophets. We have the Magi, perhaps disciples of the tradition of the magicians, sorcerers, astrologers, and Chaldeans, the wise men in the courts of Babylon and Persia, the wise men that Daniel the prophet led for a time. These magi, from their own traditions and perhaps from the writings of prophecy that they had gathered from the Jews during the captivity, they look to the heavens and they see the sign. They travel from the east to Jerusalem. A journey perhaps as long as two years in order to pay honor to this new king. They come to Herod's court and Herod calls his own advisors, the chief priests and the scribes, the religious elite of Jerusalem, and asks, where is the Messiah to be born? I think that these religious elite of Jerusalem, the chief priests and the scribes, perhaps the most tragic figures in all of scripture. They look to the scriptures and they know. They know what is happening. They know that the Messiah is born in Bethlehem. And yet, they choose to side with the kingdoms of the world rather than to participate in the kingdom of God. They succumb to fear of the tyrant Herod. They succumb to the comfort of their positions of power and prestige among men. This is the same group that will come together some 30 years later, and they gather in the palace of Caiaphas and plot together in order to arrest Jesus by stealth and kill him. But it's the Magi, the wise men from the east rather than the Jerusalem elite, who were prepared to search for wisdom and to greet wisdom as it is manifest in Jesus. The Magi, traveled to meet the Christ, and encountering God manifest in a child, they recognize him. Listen to their response as they come before the child who is king. 
They fell down before him, humbling themselves before a king, and they worshipped him, honoring him as God. They offered gifts, gold fit for a king, frankincense, the incense carried by the priest, and myrrh, the burial spice. The magi recognize in the child before them the one who is king and priest and sacrifice. We've heard about Herod. We've heard about the religious leaders in Jerusalem. We've heard about the Magi. What insight do they offer the church today? We look and we will see what they offer us to learn about prayer, about witness, and about our practice. Let's begin with prayer. The chief priests and the scribes, they could have traveled with the Magi to meet the Messiah. Herod could have walked with them the six miles between his palace and Bethlehem. They could have come to meet the promised Messiah, the one for whom they have been praying. But see, it's easy to pray. It's far more difficult to accept the answers to our prayers. 20th century Anglican writer, Anglican er, Anglican writer Evelyn Underhill describes the challenge of prayer to the church in this way. We should insist more commonly than we do on the close connection between prayer and sacrifice and plainly denounce that too common type of prayer which asks for results to which those who pray are not prepared to make any real contribution. It is not easy to justify at the bar of reality the prayers for peace and for reunion which are now offered in countless churches and by numerous individuals who are not in fact prepared to do one difficult thing or make a single sacrifice either of possessions or of prejudices in the interests of peace or of reunion. Peace is very costly and reunion will be very costly. Both will need great renunciation a great acceptance of the cross. To tell people to pray for either is unreal unless we also tell them such prayer carries its own sacrificial obligation. And those who offer it must be prepared to take their share of effort and pay their share of the cost. So too with other more immediate interests, unemployment, industrial problems, missions, about which the church encourages people to pray and put up frequent petitions, but not exert themselves too much. Our teaching on prayer would gain immensely in reality and power and be taken more seriously by many who now ignore it. Did we emphasize the intimate connection between prayer and our action outside of prayer? And the unworthiness of merely caging demands that God will do things which really lie within our own responsibility. Prayer is a dangerous occupation. May we have the courage to pray, as well as the courage to see our prayers answered. Next, let us turn to the witness of the church. 
We heard from Paul that the church is called to bear witness to the manifold wisdom of God, even to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. We heard from Isaiah the glorious vision of the kingdom of God, the light that shines on the people in darkness, drawing all people and all nations to dwell in the glory of God. The third song of Isaiah, the canticle that we derive from this chapter in Isaiah, goes on to declare that violence will cease within the kingdom, that all the walls will be named salvation and all the portals praise. This is the now and not yet kingdom to which we are called to bear witness. The kingdom we are professed to profess to our neighbors, to the nations of the earth, and even to the cosmic powers. We stand each day, each hour, each moment in the court of Herod. We know the promise of scripture and the character of God. We know the deceptions and idols of our humanity. We know and we choose. We choose either to stand with the chief priests and the scribes as they placate the rulers of this age with the empty words of a promise we hope that our hearts will never be fulfilled so that we can maintain the illusion of power and comfort, the illusion of status and security. Or we choose to walk with the Magi, following the invitation of wisdom to meet wisdom, coming into the very presence of God made flesh, falling on our knees before our King and offering praise to our Lord. Unfortunately, the church too often fails in this choosing, in this call to witness. We look around at the world around us. We see the way that this witness fails as 30% of Americans now claim no religious affiliation, a precipitous drop in the last 20 years. And less than half of all Americans claim membership or even attendance at a church. Friends, we must look closely at the witness of the church. Are we choosing to stand with the chief priests and the scribes, endorsing the violence and destruction of the world, naming our walls protection instead of healing, naming our gates conformity instead of praise? falling prey to the divisiveness and hatred that passes today for public discourse? Or will we walk with the Magi, away from the palaces and into the humble home where our mother and baby wait? Will we make our witness by submitting our will to the will of God? in giving our praise and worship to God alone and offering ourselves as a living sacrifice. May our witness and the witness of the church in all places faithfully proclaim the manifold wisdom of God even unto the heavens. Finally, what can we learn from the Magi about the practical ways in which we live as the beloved community that is the church. 
The Magi searched for, recognized, and followed the sign of the kingdom. We too are called to search for, recognize, and follow the signs of the kingdom around us. We do this as we slow down enough to consider the ways we encounter the love of God in the activities of our day. We recognize these blessings of love and we offer thanksgiving. We follow the signs of love as we extend love to those we encounter. The Magi made a pilgrimage, departing from the comfort of their homes and the occupations of their time because something was more important. They made a pilgrimage to encounter God. We too are called to make pilgrimage. Perhaps not as dramatic as the Magi make, but we are called to set aside the comforts and occupations by which we busy ourselves and seek to encounter God. We make the pilgrimage of prayer as we set aside time and space to be in communion and conversation with God. We make the pilgrimage of scripture as we seek to encounter the word of God prayer and study. We make the pilgrimage of service as we seek to encounter the face of Christ in the least of these. We make the pilgrimage of worship as we seek to encounter Christ in his community gathered and in the Eucharist, in the body and blood of Christ. Finally, the Magi respond to their encounter with Christ by submitting themselves before him, offering their worship and their gifts. The two disciplines that I find lead me most to learn this submission are the discipline of Sabbath and the discipline of tithing. Practicing Sabbath submits the work of the kingdom to the king and recognizes that it is his power and his activity and not mine that bring about the kingdom. Sabbath rest acknowledges that king. Tithing submits even my own provision to the God who provides. Tithing is not about funding the church. Tithing is not about mission. Tithing is about submitting our needs to the provision of God, trusting that he does provide. we depart today. May we learn to recognize and celebrate our encounters with God as the kingdom breaks into our daily lives. May we learn to encounter God in our pilgrim journeys. May we learn to encounter the power and provision of God as we submit ourselves to the king and live as citizens of the kingdom of God. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.